You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. And I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your guide on this Chicago-rific ride of historical delights. Of course, I'm joined by Polly C, a.k.a. Pablo Chicago. Chicago, yo, yo, yo. (laughs) And I had to use that uh, moniker again because today is the birthday, quote, I'm doing air quotes, birthday of Chicago, March 4th, incorporated March 4th, 1837, uh, for the, you know, kind of the the colonial birthday, the uh, American birthday. Of course, I'd be remiss. 187 years old. Yeah. Doesn't look a day over 186. <laughs> or 100, 186. That's what it is. Yeah. Right, I don't right. know. Yeah. What 1837 is. to 2023. We're so not doing a show on math. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be remiss if I didn't give a land acknowledgement to the people because this area was called Chicago or Chicago. 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 There was many different uh, pronunciations, um, but there was the indigenous people that thrived and lived here for hundreds, maybe thousands of years before the Europeans came here. And of course, tribes like the Algonquin and Ojibwe, uh, the Miami, Menominee, Odawa, Potawatomi, and many other. Indigenous peoples that called this homeland, the Chicago land. And of course, uh, as I'm speaking of indigenous people, got to give a shout out to Kitahawa, which a lot of people don't know. Everybody knows John Baptiste Point du Sable, right? But his wife, Kitahawa, oh. was you know the first lady of Chicago. And she was a kind of a big, re- there should be a statue of her or something, you know, because she was kind of a big reason that her, their, uh, her and her husband's trading post became so big because she had all the connects. She had the network, you know, she is knew that, the people. Is that why he decided to stay here? Was she like native to the region? And I think so. Yeah, he was, you know, he was a traveler and everything. And they, they built their, it's funny because it's, you know, if you go look at the thing, it says a cabin. You know, this is where DuSable's cabin was. But it wasn't like a small little log cabin. It was like a, they had five rooms. It had a fireplace. You it's, know, wasn't he had the, like the one room cabin? Yeah, Abe wasn't Lincoln exactly style, right. Yeah. But it was even more like a ranch. Their, their, their ranch is like now what, like Streeterville or Fort Yeah, it's Dearborn basically, or, well, it's an Apple store now. <laughs> <laughs> In the true honor of American capitalist colonialism, there's an Apple store where the... Uh, Just what the natives wanted. Yeah. But it's right there on Michigan and the river. And there is a bust for uh, DuSable there in the little plaque that kind of describes the history. Yeah, it's been it's been a minute since I've been down there, but I vaguely remember some yeah. sort of dedication. And then Fort Dearborn was the... Mil- uh, other across. side of the river. Yeah. And it was... Uh, but DuSable and Kitahawa had the had the trading post, the home, in it for about uh, over a decade. It was uh, 17, late 1770s that they built the home, and then they sold it in 1800. And I think uh, Fort Dearborn came in 1803. And then, of course, you know, connecting with the indigenous stuff. Before we get into the weird esoteric stuff. So that's why I didn't even mention. Today's 
it's special episode is about esoteric Chicago, which some of this is very esoteric. People don't really know this history. It's not, you know, unless you dig into it and you're a, a lover of Chicago history, you wouldn't know some of this stuff. I feel like Chicago is one of those cities, though, where you do have a lot of like proud Chicagoans. For sure, that, for like, sure. Like we're the great, you know, Jean Baptiste Du Sable yeah, once right. <laughs> set up shop in what was the most glorious lake yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Chicago or Chicago is named after a, a pungent leek or onion, um, d- depending on which source you ask. That lines which, the Chicago River. Yeah, but also uh, many of our streets came from them. You know, a lot of the uh, trails that the indigenous people had well, Milwaukee created. Was supposed to yeah, be Milwaukee. Yeah. A lot of the diagonal ones, Archer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many different streets. Clark Street, I believe, Rogers up north is the Indian Boundary Trail, which was actually the government said, you can't come past this line anymore. (laughs) Uh, But many of our streets are still named indigenous names, Menominee, Milwaukee, uh, Ottawa Avenue, Sangamon, Washtenaw, Winnemac, Wabansia. You know, the list goes on and on. Um, So there's there's and also, you know, another cool thing is the American Indian Center here is the oldest native center in the country. I didn't know that. Yeah. And we have the largest Native American population in the Midwest and the second largest east of the Mississippi. I'm trying to make some sort of joke regarding the the smell of the onion along the uh, (laughs) the river and how the uh, and the White Sox uh, try to replicate that at guaranteed right field when you walk (laughs) in. And get blasted with the beautiful scent of onion. Oh, yeah. Well, then you get the onions in, uh, from Maxwell Street, if you're driving by Maxwell Street mm-hmm. Polish, with mm-hmm. the grilled onions. Yep. See the onions? They stick around. It's, uh, you know, Chicago is like an onion. There's many layers. There's many layers. And it's also a dietary staple of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of Chicago. Yeah, definitely. Put, a put onions on, on everything. Put them in your omelet for breakfast. Mm. Put it on your sandwich for lunch. And yeah, then grill it up. Yeah, some burgers for dinner. Hey, a Chicago hot dog, you know, has mm-hmm. chopped onions. Chopped onions, yeah. You yeah. know. So I always think of the caramelized. You're right. Yeah, give give credit to the raw onion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and then speaking of, so like we're talking about the, the streets and paths. Did you know that there is a cow path in Chicago? No, I didn't know that. Speaking of esoteric stuff, um, yeah, there is a cow path at 100 West Monroe. It's been there since 1844. (laughs) And I guess it was... uh, This city has a history with cows. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still there. It's still like... Because so basically uh, much of the loop back in in those days was owned by... A uh, William or Willard Jones, who had a big farm, and as the city expanded, they kept buying property from him. And basically, in one of the sales, the contract included an easement for a cattle to pass from his farmstead to a pasture where the uh, Board of Exchange is now. And there's actually they have one of those golden cows. So if you go there by 100 West Monroe, there's still a little like a little alleyway. What, from like path. that art installation from like 25 years ago where there was yeah, I don't know cows if they, all over? Yeah, I don't know or, if it's specifically from that or if it just, was... Uh, just a cow statue. Yeah, because yeah. it's like a gold one. It's yeah. not... Those ones are painted. They were all painted differently, though, so I'm wondering if... True. I it mean, is be. it like, like it's like covered in gold or it's just painted gold? No, it's pure gold, 100%. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, not at all. Or I think like, it's you know, like bronze I think or it's painted you know? gold, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's a cow path. There. Yeah, that, was, that was neat. That's going to make me feel old. I think it was like summer of 99 that they did that. But yeah, like some places back. kept those mm-hmm. cows. Yeah, you'll still like see them, them around. Yeah. yeah. And then they did other variations of that as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think they did horses and other stuff. But, 
yeah, there's still a cow path, and there's uh, there's also speaking of weird paths and stuff like that. There is a wooden brick alley in hmm. Chicago. Okay, yeah, and it's Where's... over. It's it's south. No, yeah, south of North Avenue, in between Astor and State Street. Okay, and it's right in back of the Cardinals' uh, home. You know, like the Chicago Cardinal, the okay. Pope of Chicago, or whatever you want. Oh, to call okay, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like His, the Cardinals. Yeah, not the, the <laughs> wrong city, right? Well, that's what's football. They moved out years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, okay, so, so wait, that would there. be. Let's see if I know my Chicago North and State would be like Old Town ish. Yeah, it's like well, it's more Gold Coast. Gold Coast, yeah, okay. but it's okay. on the edge of Old Town. Okay, um, it's right where like Astor Street. If you want to go down like a really cool street with a bunch of old mansions and just. Pretty cool architecture. Astor Street is a good one. And, yeah, there's a little... Now, back in the day, I remember when it used to be the original bricks, the original wood bricks. We would go over there and kind of marvel at it and say, wow, I can't believe there's wooden bricks in this alley. And we took a couple. I think think, uh, a friend of mine has one. and But they've redid it since then. What's the statute of limitations on stealing (laughs) alley bricks? (laughs) There was no uh, landmark sign yet, so we're we're in the clear, I think. (laughs) They redid it. But they redid it with wooden bricks. So if you okay. go there now, it has the it's it's redone, so it's all smooth, you know. Yeah. Because back then it was kind of cobbly and broken up. So and when stuff. you say they redid it, did they like smooth it down and it's the they, original bricks, or did they I like don't know if they used, Yeah, I mean know. it looks like they relayed it. I don't know if they used some of the original bricks or not. Yeah. Um, but it's the only one that has a full brick alley. Now I did see, I think it was a year or two ago, and I was driving around that area, and they were redoing the streets. And there was one street was just the concrete was ripped up from the top. So you could see all the bricks, the wood bricks underneath. That's neat. Yeah. So there's a ton of uh, wood brick streets in Chicago, which proved not to to last too long. So they changed that. (laughs) And so, yeah. So today's show, I have a bunch of stuff with like secret societies, uh, hidden symbols in Chicago. Okay. And uh, yeah, some some speakeasies, historical people. I don't know where to begin. Uh, Go with the speakeasies, because well, you and I know, knew about a speakeasy that I don't know if is existing yeah. anymore after the, the bartender left. Right. But. <laughs> I think so. It should still be there. Room 13, if anyone wants to check it out. Yeah. Even though our, our, our friend Will, friend of the show, yeah. microphone, he's not there anymore. But still, it's a cool little Hopefully they keep it going. Yeah, it's sure underneath that, uh, what, the old Chicago Inn or mm-hmm. something? Yeah. Or on Sheffield. Yeah. Uh, one was my favorite. Now, there's there's speakeasies nowadays, but I can't tell you about them because I don't want to, you know. I mean, that one, that's kind of a legal one, but I can't tell the legal ones because, oh, yeah. you know, okay, well, can't put them on blast. The Prohibition Club or whatever, mm-hmm. was that like a speakeasy style? Like, did you have to, like, knock on the door and say a password? I believe or, so, yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. it wasn't like it was secret. There's a big sign out front right. that said Prohibition Club. <laughs> and then I've never been to the Violet Hour, but, like, there's yeah, no... That's- Kind of door speakeasy yeah. style, yeah. It's like the the door is kind of hidden. Yeah, yeah. There's another one, uh, which you know, these, I can talk about. It's legal. It's called the booze booze box. And okay, it's underneath a Japanese restaurant on Randolph and Green. Okay, and you have to go in through the alley and go down in the basement, and they have a it's a sake bar. Ah, oh, okay. And they have DJs and stuff. That one's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, but if you go back in time, my favorite one is the Dill Pickle Club. Okay, and that was. Uh, a bohemian club, speakeasy, cabaret, theater from uh, 1917 to 1935. And this was when Chicago it was like the Chicago Renaissance. Like we, it was an area they used to nickname uh, Hobohemia, 
which stretched from that area around Clark Street and a park called Bug House, uh, Bug House Square. Some people call it Bug House Square Park, depending on you know which source you ask. But that was where Washington Square Park is now in front of the Newberry Library. Okay. And that used to be – this was a, a revolutionary center. It was a communist anarchists, you know, workers' parties, the Wobblers, all of these different people, the Wobblies. Um, the wob- these, was, is that like a kid's show? What no, the, wob- the Wobblies the were a uh, – they were a workers' rights organization. Okay. Um, I believe they were somewhat communist um, or socialists. Socialist, they might have yeah. been socialists, yeah. I think. And, yeah, and so this place was kind of the heart of Hobohemia was the Dill Pickle Club. The blood of capitalism is oiled by the workers. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago is where all this stuff, I mean, if you get into, I mean, August Spies and the Haymarket Riots, mm-hmm. I mean, if it wasn't for Chicago, there would be no eight-hour workday. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be working 16 hours mm-hmm. and there'd be, you know, Big 10-year-old time. kids working with yeah, you. labor city. Oh, and like all the bile from like the stockyards just like, mm-hmm. you know, sopping up in the streets and yeah but the dill pickle club is pretty cool there's a there's several books um one is called the dill pickle club another one is called hobohemia which are really good and talk about um the spot which was at 858 north state street in a little alley called tuker alley okay and there's uh there's like one picture of it and it's just the door and which had this uh you know, a sign that said, like, enter at your own risk and said, like, uh, it said, like, dip down, lower your head and come on in. And it was just all about, like, liberal minded thoughts, um, you know, talking about everything from the economy, social justice, science, literature, art, drama. They would have different, they would have burlesque shows, they would have speakers, they'd have poets, they'd have parties. And another kind of cool thing is across the alley, was the studio for a famous artist named uh, Stanislav Zukowski, okay. which is a, he was a famous Chicago and Polish artist from the early 1900s. There's actually a documentary on Netflix called Struggle, which was produced by Leonardo DiCaprio because Leonardo's dad was actually a, a well-known artist who befriended Stanislav Zukowski back in the uh, 70s and 80s. And they filmed on there's a bunch of VHS tape of him talking about his life and everything. And that's cool. that's very interesting. You have to because it's that's a whole show in itself. So I'm not going to get too, too deep into okay, him. OK, um, got to save some content for. Yeah, because I mean, he was a, he was a famous artist that also started like a nationalist movement in Poland. So there's there's a lot to dig into with him. Um, but another interesting this ties in uh, speakeasy. And secret society and Chicago architecture. And that is a famous hotel on Michigan Avenue, which was founded by a secret society. Hmm. Can you tell what it is or do you know what it is? No idea. You don't know? No. Well, I think we'll have to take a break and then uh, talk about that and other secret societies in Chicago and other hidden symbols and much more esoteric Chicago when we return with Think Theory Radio. Welcome back. To Think Theory Radio, and today is all about esoteric Chicago. And Chicago, 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 <laughs> and yeah, in honor of uh, Chicago's birthday today, March fourth, eighteen thirty-seven. 
And uh, it was actually the same day that uh, President Van Buren was inaugurated. Oh, yeah, because that was back then the inauguration days were March 4th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So probably why there is a Van Buren Street in Chicago. Amongst all the other yeah, presidential ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which are in order. That's another esoteric thing people don't know. The uh, If you go south from uh, Washington, it goes not necessarily in order of like consecutive order, but each name is after like their order in presidency. You know what I mean? I got to verify f- that for you because Adams is off. Because well, um, it goes Washington, Washington Madison, Madison, Monroe, Adams, when really it was Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe. Mm, you might be right. Okay, yeah. So, so it's the only reason off. I know that is because then it's and then it's but, but Jackson, then it, Van Buren, which is correct. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder why they. And then uh, Harrison after you know Ida B. Wells or Congress. Um, well, then they have Jefferson running a whole other way, <laughs> and then <laughs> so Clinton. The but that wasn't necessarily yeah, named right. for you know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, Roosevelt, too, is like, you know, which Roosevelt is it named after? True. And that's out of order, too. But, you know, is it Roosevelt or is it Roosevelt? Roosevelt, right. Yeah. Um, There's a McKinley Street, isn't there? I believe so. There's Um, McKinley Park. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I don't know. It might be a street on the south side, though. Um, But as we teased before the break, talking about this hotel that was built as a a uh, club for a secret society, which was the ancient Arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine. And they were an offshoot of the Freemasons. Now it's... Freemasons run the country! Bam! <laughs> and the, uh, if you take the, what is it? It's, is it, is it a palindrome where the word, where you mix up the letters and it That's, can spell something out? Uh, Anagram. Anagram. There you go. Yeah. So if you take ancient Arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine, or A-A-O-N-M-S, mix it up, and it spells a mason. So, and, but it's not, it's not an order, right? So like it's not no, an acronym. No, yeah, you got it. It's not an acronym. Yeah, so, so it's, it's so like it's, an anagramic acronym. Yeah. Okay, or an mm-hmm. acronymic anagram. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and they built what at the time was called the Medina Athletic Club, which is now the Intercontinental Chicago Hotel on Michigan Avenue. Okay. It's uh, 151 North Michigan, which is a, a beautiful building if you look at it um, architecturally from inside and outside. And basically it was a it was two New York Freemasons um or a small group of New York Freemasons, including actor Billy Florence and Walter Fleming, M.D., that felt the fraternity was a little, it was too stoic. And they had went to a party that was hosted by an Arabian diplomat during a trip to France. And they were inspired by the party, the exotic style and the flavors and the music. So when they got back home, they suggested an Arabic theme uh, to build a new place. And they decided that Chicago would be the home of their new headquarters and was built in 1929. Now this group, the Arabic order of the mystic shrine of golden dawn or whatever (laughs) is actually the Shriners. We know them as the Shriners. Okay. Okay. Basically the same people. Um, And they built this, this amazing building 
that has a Moorish dome on the top, which I guess was supposed to be a dock for Zeppelins back in the day, but it was never actually used for that. Uh, there's all types of uh, Egyptian, Arabic, Assyrian, um, you know, even kind of uh, old medieval European influence um, on the interior, the decor. But this place, when it was first built, had uh, on the 23rd floor, it had a miniature golf course with water hazards and a wandering brook. It had a shooting range. It had a billiards hall, a running track, a gymnasium, an archery range, a bowling alley. A two-story boxing arena. Oh, my goodness. And a junior Olympic-sized swimming pool. <laughs> Plus ballrooms, corporate meeting rooms, and 440 guest rooms. That's and where a fella could get a lot done. Yeah. Yeah. And this just all kind of... And they had, like, secret uh, stairways that would go into some of the rooms so that only they could only be accessed by the guests. So if people wanted to kind of, like, exit, you know... Do the uh, the little uh, I'm Irish, so I can say this, but the Irish exit. <laughs> Not telling anybody you're leaving. Just sneak out the little side door there, back to your room. Um, I guess there was a twelve thousand pound uh, baccarat crystal chandelier that was the largest in North America at the time, and yeah, it was uh, the the pool. Now is named. Um, I just had that name, but it was uh, the guy who played Tarzan. Oh, gosh. Was it uh, the original? Gosh, I, I should know this uh, with all the dumb trivia. I know yeah, look I that can't up. think about it. <laughs> um, the Frank, original. Frank Merrill or Elmo Lincoln or? Uh, was it Frank Merrill? I don't know. Look it up. Google it. Well, you could just J- look Johnny up. Johnny Weissmuller. I think that's who it is. Yeah. And it's named after him because he used to swim there or something like that. Okay. And so now it's named after him. But And, yeah, it's just an interesting place, but it was originally built. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> that's who it was. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on from, uh, but if you, I get, you know, I recommend though, if you've never been in there, check it out because it's, it's really beautiful. Like I said, indoors and out and. Um, it kind of get. I think it gets lost in the shuffle because it's on Michigan Avenue. You have all these other, been the Tribune Tower and the other buildings over there. Um, yeah. But if you wander by and you look up, you will see how amazing it is. And there's just so much uh, worldwide influence on in the architecture there. But I found this other very interesting secret society. Chicago once had a secret society of death obsessed journalists. Okay. <laughs> you were, that's right. You were telling me about this. That's why this isn't a surprise. Yeah. Okay. And it was, uh, I guess there was a, a belly dancer that exposed it um, at the time. Uh, These strange men are talking about weird things. <laughs> and this uh, secret society was called the White Chapel Club. And it was kind of uh, uh, like uh, comedically referenced as the suicide club his original uh, suicide club i guess but that was these journalists it was just a bunch of journalists who were like obsessed with death stories and death in general um just feel like if you told people about that like oh you want to be part of my suicide club it's like how many members are there we have trouble maintaining membership that's why (laughs) (laughs) but it was founded in 1889 by a group of young bohemian literary chicago newspapermen Hmm. And it was uh, located in the Loop Alley that is now West Calhoun Place between Wells and LaSalle. 
and it was uh, basically a secret society and a press club. It was named after the area of London where Jack the Ripper used to uh, do his thing. Which might have been H.H. Holmes. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a tie-in there because some people think that H.H. Holmes was actually Jack the Ripper. That he, uh, that's why he was never found in London. He removed himself from there and came over here and started a new career in Chicago right around the time of the uh, World's Fair mm-hmm. or the Columbian Exposition of 1893. Yeah. And they would, uh, of course, you know, like most secret societies back then, it was all male. His members of journalists, uh, like mighty men of other professions, bank presidents, police chiefs. Uh, preachers, like fringe members of society, including magicians, psychics, and even convicted murderers. So they could tell their uh, story about death. <laughs> um, I guess women women were strictly forbidden, except for the belly dancer, Omin. And there is a picture of her, too. You can look her up, Omin. She was a notorious turn-of-the-century belly dancer in, in the United States. And I guess she had went there to dance for them and... Afterwards, it told some somebody about it, and that's how it kind of got exposed to uh, what they were. But uh, I guess they had all kind of uh, the walls were decorated with like pistols and knives that had been used for murder, um, donated from local cops. Uh, the bloody slipper of a Chinese merchant killed by a streetcar was nailed to the wall. <laughs> um, there was a bloodstained shirt taken from the body of a Native American killed at the Battle of Wounded Knee. Or pieces of fire engines destroyed in the Chicago fire. And there were a series of uh, like photographs depicting beheading. There was a boot of a soldier from Custard's, Custer's Last Stand. So this is like the faces of death before faces yeah, of death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I believe there was, uh, I was trying to find, there was one of the members who actually in his like uh his remains so here it was colin uh morris allen collins who decided before <laughs> he, before shooting himself in the head collins who served as the president of the dallas texas suicide club so there's more than one <laughs> offered his body to the Whitechapel club for a ritualistic cremation and I guess they constructed a 20 by 18 foot pyre of driftwood and cordwood on a dune in a desolate region outside Chicago city limits. The members draped Collins body in a white robe and set him on fire. Then they lit their torches and marched three times around the burning pyre. And they did songs and speeches. And uh, I guess they, they incorporated those traditions for years later and would sift their hands through his ashes <laughs> but uh, it all came tumbling down once the belly dancer exposed their secret. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting though. The, the uh, White Chapel Club, and there's also the uh, the Golden Dawn was also uh, found here, which was another secret society, and there was. Uh, I guess the builders of Aditum or Aditum, it's A-D-Y-T-U-M. Okay. Which was uh, a, found, it was founded in Chicago in 1922 by Paul Foster Case, who was a senior med- member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. 
And uh, I guess he had, after he had a disagreement with the head of Golden Dawn, he decided to start up his own secret society, and that became the BOTA. And they believe that the Kabbalah is the mystical root of both ancient Judaism and the original Christianity. Um, and that's just one. Now, that's you could go on. That's I probably would have to do a whole other show. Maybe next year for the birthday, I could do a whole like strictly occult magic Chicago show because there's so much of that as well. So much history incorporated in that, so like all the different secret societies and March second. Just so you know, next okay. year. Yeah. <laughs> right. You have to remind me. I think <laughs> I'll forget next week. <laughs> But there's, uh, yeah, you can actually, I believe there's a, there's a website like Occult Chicago um, is a pretty good website with a bunch of different information on these secret society and all the different kind of uh, spiritual new thought kind of religion. Of course, the Theosophical Society, another kind of secret society that was uh, moved its headquarters here in uh, 1907. So, but there's, so it's a little, some samples of secret societies. I thought the uh, Intercontinental Hotel one was pretty interesting just because they actually built this massive building. And that, that also um, made me wonder about uh, this other building, which I couldn't find. I mean, there is information on it, but uh, it's not as much like with the Intercontinental Intercontinental, where if it was actually like started as a secret society or some kind of headquarters, but it's the Metropolitan Tower, um, which is down on uh, 310 South Michigan Avenue, which originally was named the Strauss Building when completed in 1924. It was actually the first building in Chicago with 30 or more floors. But it never got designated the tallest building because the Chicago Temple Building was built right after it in 1924, and it's taller by 92 feet. And the Chicago Temple Building actually holds the world's highest chapel. Okay. So there you go. That's, that's another. Is that still up? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's right there. Um, I believe it's on Washington. It's it's right by Daly Plaza and the Picasso. But the interesting thing about the uh, Metropolitan Tower is the top of it has a, a ziggurat or the kind of ancient uh, Persian pyramid, but also has a glass beehive ornament containing a blue glass box filled with six 1,000-watt light bulbs, which emit a deep blue light. Hmm. So if you ever see that in the skyline, that's the building I'm talking about. The beehive is supported by four limestone bisons. And beneath the beehive, there's four uh, Carillon bells that actually were unused, but they restored them in 1979 for the uh, Chicago visit of Pope John Paul II. So they could ring it. <laughs> and it actually was a, the 34 was an observatory for people to be open. But uh, it has um, the top has this kind of uh, unique symbolism. It's, it has um, a pyramid symbolizing longevity and permanence. The beehive stood for industry and thrift. And it's the four bisons are a traditional symbol for the American West. So they were using these, uh, supposedly these symbols to instill trust in their customers. 
or Strauss was, and reassure them that their investments would be handled actively and carefully. Although I wonder if he had ties, because, you know, we had uh, Brother Justice on talking about the Freemason stuff and how much influence there was of Freemasons in Chicago and Illinois. So who knows if maybe he was he was a member. But uh, it's an interesting building if you check it out. I just think it's it's kind of cool that there's these buildings with you have this has this kind of pyramid on top. You have the uh, Intercontinental with the Moorish Dome. And if you look around Chicago, like the tops of buildings is really where they get unique. And you can see all these different influences from architectural styles all around the world. Um, sometimes you, you don't notice them on the first floor, right? Yeah. And speaking of buildings and architecture, there are buildings that have secret and hidden symbols around Chicagoland. Hmm. And uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the hidden symbols of Chicago. On Think Theory Radio. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. Today we're getting into esoteric Chicago in honor of uh, Chicago's birthday, March 4th. Today, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very rare that we hit, you know, being on only one day a week that we actually hit on a holiday or yeah, hit on something that we could do. Couldn't tell you the last time yeah. it fell on a Saturday, but I doubt it was probably before we knew it, each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have been seven years ago or or at least six with the leap year. Maybe the leap right? year it changed. Or eight, yeah, to make it eight. Right? Well, it would. I mean, there's a pattern. <laughs> I yeah. Can we figure out the pattern? Well, now I want to go back and find out. All right. Well, while you do that, I'll get into some of the uh, hidden symbols that are found around Chicago and in Chicago architecture. And first off, and I have to admit, and I, I was uh, I was disappointed in myself, but also I was I was uh, ecstatic to find out there was something I didn't know about Chicago. Okay. Which you know I don't know everything, but the uh, the Y symbol. Yeah. That you see all around town. It's on bridges. It's on... It's like uh, a sideways Y, though, right? Well, no. There's So there's two different versions. Okay. There's the original uh, was upside down. Okay. Like a Y upside down. And then most of the modern ones are right side up. Now, okay. you might see some, too, flipped on the I, side. I swear I've seen the ones that are flipped yeah, on the side uh, yeah. where, like, the, the straight line is on the right side and because it's the river. Yeah, I think it was incorporated as another symbol Okay, because like, I did see a picture of it on the side like that. Um, later on, I think they incorporated it. Before that. you go on, 2017 was the last time. Oh, so, yeah, it was yeah. a way long time ago. Um, yeah, so... Basically, this was, and this, in a way, was kind of our our first flag as well, because there was, they used to use, it was a uh, red flag with the white symbol, okay. which the white Y symbol. And Get that tattooed on you, every <laughs> hipster in Chicago, every person between the ages of 20 and 50 in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> it don't knock the flag, man. I love the flag, but it's a little overplayed as I'm staring at the WCPT <laughs> logo. Might, we might have time to talk about the flag a little bit, but before that, the uh, basically in during the uh, World's Columbian Exposition, it gets mentioned again. The Chicago Tribune ran a design contest in that was back in 1892 for an image typical of the city, and it was a Danish-born architect and civil engineer Alfred J. Road 
or Rowid, designed the winning <laughs> emblem to represent the branches of the Chicago River. So you have the three branches of the Chicago River, but also the three negative spaces are the sides of the city, the northwest and south sides of okay. the city. And no, no love for the east side. Wow. Yeah, the east side, you know, <laughs> they have to do a whole show on the east side. And I have friends on the east side, and they're always yeah. like, man, because they get just lumped into the south side. Well, and everyone, yeah, it gets lumped in the south side, and, and then the, the ongoing thing is, oh, there is no east side. It's the lake. And it's yeah. like, yeah, no, but I mean, once you get like below 95th Street or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah even, even before that, because, I mean, if you go to, I want to say, well, Hyde Park is technically east. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just it's east of state, east of state, state, state street, you know, yeah. anything east of state. So there's there's a significant portion that's east. Um, I don't know the the actual square footage or anything, but <laughs> 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 but yeah. So they uh, and then in 1917, the city council unanimously unanimously voted to adopt the symbol as the municipal device. So businesses, city departments, Which citizens. Which the only time the Chicago City Council ever unanimously <laughs> right. agreed on something. On anything ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you go around town, you will see that all over the place. And you'll now, you now cannot unsee it. Even if you go to the Chicago Theater, in the middle C of Chicago has the Y behind the C. Okay. Which to me kind of looks like a YMCA logo because it has the C and the Y <laughs> yeah. and just missing the end, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that thing is uh, all over the place. And that was, you know, way before the Chicago flag. Um, and also another thing that was before the Chicago flag, which a lot of people don't talk about and is very, you know, esoteric because I had in meetings in it, is the seal of Chicago. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Not that kind of seal, Paul. <laughs> I don't think we ever had seals in Lake Michigan, but you never. I don't know. think. Yeah, I don't think we do. <laughs> I don't know if they ever ventured out this far. Not, not like uh, San Francisco, <laughs> where there's just like a pier where they're all yeah. just hanging out. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have uh, Fisherman's Wharf over here, but in uh, back in uh, 1837, they decided after the you know the city was incorporated, they decided they needed a seal, and. Back then, I guess in uh, 1833, the population was estimated about 150 people. But then uh, a census... A booming metropolis. Yeah. <laughs> but then a census a few months later actually showed a population of over 4,000. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. But the seal uh, was adopted, um, like I said, 1837. It has... But if you've seen it around, because if you actually look up... I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I don't know if I've ever studied it. Yeah, I don't think most people, it just kind of, you see it and you just think it's some kind of municipal There's like a, you know, what flag. a, a ship. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, like a naked child in a clam. Yep. There's a, a Native American chief looking out in the distance. Mm -hmm. There looks to be like a mushroom cloud over a like white and <laughs> That's red That's actually a bunch of uh, wheat. Wheat, okay, okay. Yeah. So um, it's and I didn't know that the motto was herbs in Horto. Oh yeah, city in a garden. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the ship is uh basically it's not one of the Columbus ships, is it? <laughs> I, I mean, because the city has like a big thing for Christopher Columbus, so I didn't know if that had anything to do with it. Right, right. No, I was trying to I had the uh where did it go? Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. The Chicago Seal has the 
the meanings of it. The infant in the shell is an ancient and classical symbolism of the pearl, which Chicago is the pearl of the lakes or the gem of the lakes. Okay. And the take that uh, Green Bay or Milwaukee or uh, <laughs> Green Bay's not on the list. Yeah, there's also a shield, which take is that kind Dorch of just, yeah. <laughs> the shield is just kind of a you know a reincorporation of the American flag in a way. Um, and the ship in full sail is emblematic of the approach of civilization and commerce. The indigenous man represents the discoverer of the site of Chicago. So in a rare instance, they actually gave Native people props <laughs> yes. and recognition. Can we just have some land? No, we gave you the seal, though. <laughs> and, and named a few roads after you. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the, the shield represents the national spirit of Chicago. And the wheat was uh, the sheaf of wheat basically was the you know agriculture and growth of the city so i just thought it was kind of interesting because it's something that you people have probably seen a million times and never thought anything about it mm -hmm. because it just kind of looks like some governmental icon you know or some symbol well, but it's a little busy it's know? very it is very busy it is very busy uh and yeah and, and you wouldn't know exactly what if you just looked at it. I'd be like, "Why is this guy staring at a baby in a clam?" But it's supposed to be a shell, yeah, uh, and a ship coming. Although it kind of looks like he's looking at the ship, and it's like, "Oh, here comes those Europeans!" It's like, I don't know what's going to get me first. Yeah, yeah. The, the ship, <laughs> the of flying people, baby, or the flying baby in the, the shell. <laughs> right. If it isn't for this suspicious-looking uh, wheat shock uh, <laughs> coming at me, and then. Uh, so, you know, but I love that there's like all these like hidden meanings and it's just not, you know, just random objects like there actually has little meanings, which I think Chicago has always been very good at incorporating with, you know, like our flag. You know, we we're talking about the flag earlier and you have all these different their symbols. I mean, it kind of, you know, almost like, beating a dead horse with that one. So it's like everybody. That's you know, not esoteric. No, kind of like pretty said, much like, knows about that one. Every except, white person that moved to the city from the suburbs has that tattooed on them somewhere. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm rocking it on my hat right here. Um, <laughs> the black and silver version, you yeah, know, socks yeah. or some, somewhat socks colors. but <laughs> like camouflage kind of. Yeah. Or? But then there's the... Uh, the kind of unofficial, so everybody knows, like, you got the north side, west side, south side, white stripes. You got the, um, and not the band, but you got the <laughs> Lake Michigan, north branch of the river, one blue stripe. You mm -hmm. got the south branch and the Chicago River, Great Canal, the other one. And you have the four stars representing Fort Dearborn, Great Chicago Fire, World's uh, Fair in 1893, and the Century of Progress, basically the World Fair again in 1933. But the stars have a bunch of hidden meanings as well. Which a lot of people don't know, but it, oh, the points to the star. Yeah, the points okay, to the yeah. star. Well, and I thought that meant like the three millennia, um, you know, because you know the world started after Christ, so the first millennia would be you know zero to a thousand, and then something. no, no, no. Okay, okay. Well, originally the the flag only had two stars. From okay. nineteen seventeen to nineteen thirty three, it was two. 1933 to 1939, there was three, and then from 1939 on, there's been four. Now, people have talked about incorporating a fifth one. So I don't know if that will ever happen. What would that be? Uh, I don't 40 know. years of dailies as mayor of Chicago. <laughs> right. Michael Jordan. Yeah, he Michael. just gets his own star. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey, you know. Although I think that should be the sixth star, though. For yeah, yeah. The six, like the six championships mm-hmm. that Michael Jordan brought to this. No, but each star has like different. You know, I'll just read a couple because it's it's there's basically you know whatever. Uh, 40 something of them whatever but like one star has like you know France for you know 69.3 all okay. these different kind of connections to the India, the Illinois statehood the Indiana territory all these different ones then there's one for like transportation labor commerce finance another one was religion education civic spirit uh, another one world you know third largest city uh, the city motto, convention city, all these different kind of, but those have never been officialized. So there's been kind of uh, dedicated start all like the hogs and cattle that. that were slaughtered in this town. Yeah. Oh, there's probably that too. <laughs> well, they're also they could. I mean, if they're given one for disasters like the fire and Fort Dearborn, you could have the uh, the boat, the uh, which the name escapes me on the Chicago River. Oh it's, gosh, yeah. We the, we talk about Chicago's this. Titanic. Basically. Yeah, yeah. We talk about it. Yeah. yeah. But those aren't the only hidden seals. The oh, hidden for like the fiftieth time on the show. What's the name of that boat? What about all the uh, if people ever noticed walking around downtown Chicago swastikas? The Eastland. There's all kind of the Eastland. Yes, yeah, the sorry. Eastland disaster. The, yes, the what, walking around Chicago. There's swastikas all over the place. Yeah, because of this uh, city's uh, Nazi. No, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yeah. no, no. no, they were mostly all in the 1890s. They were built. Uh, you can even see one if you're in Logan Square area over on Kimball. There's just a regular two-flat house, and you look up, and there's these, like, four swastikas in red. But um, there's no real good uh, definitive reason why. It just seems to be, a, you know, incorporating it in architecture. Well, I, I mean, it's— Well, before, before. I mean, that's a thousands yeah. of years old symbol from before the— Before it completely jumped the shark yeah. with, uh, with the Nazis. Yeah. It was like they a messed known, it up for everyone. Yeah, it I mean, it was a, it was beautiful, a beautiful yeah. uh, Egyptian symbol. Well, yeah, in uh, ancient like India, like, mm-hmm. Native Americans used it. Uh, there's like the hockey team in like the early uh, 20th century that used it. Mm-hmm. And the, even the name, you know, it's it's funny. As a kid, I always thought swastika was a Nazi word or a German word. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually from swastika, which was a, a, a word in Sanskrit. Okay. So that's that's how ancient it is. Um, and then there's people arguing, well, this one goes left, this one goes right. They flipped it. You know, the Nazis called it the broken cross or something like that. But but if you walk around, uh, Navy Pier has uh, swastikas on okay. the front. Um, Lewis Sullivan's facade where uh, Carson Perry Scott was at... Uh, 18 South Michigan has it. Um, there's a Columbia College building has it on Wabash over there. Uh, Metropolitan Tower, the one I was talking about with the with the ziggurat on top, has it. Um, and many others down in the loop. So just walk around the loop. I know there's the uh, London House Hotel down there on Michigan Avenue okay. that has it. Um, or it might be the building next to it. But there's a bunch, a bunch around if you... Uh, Look for them. You will now notice them. You cannot unsee them now. Yeah. You will see them and like, why is there? I remember being young and be like, why? What's the secret? Were there, you know, did Nazis start Chicago? Like, <laughs> but these buildings were built in like the 1890s. Yeah, way and, before, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The rise of the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. And another cool like hidden symbols, which I didn't know, is in Chinatown. And, okay. Yeah. And in Chinatown... There's, you know, there's a lot of cool kind of architectural reliefs and uh, statues of the Chinese zodiac and the nine dragon um, relief that's right near the train station. But there's hidden ones that are glazed. They're these glazed tiles with strange creatures on the walls in the uh, Chinatown Square. 
You just walk around, and these are the four mythological creatures known, known as the four symbols that guard the world. And it comes from uh, ancient Chinese astronomy. The sky was divided into four sections, and each section contained seven mansions, forming 28 mansions. And this, uh, it would track the, the movement of the moon and determine the seasons and time, and which season, you know, being assigned to mythological creatures. Um, and yeah, there's different. So each one is basically, you know, you have one for the east, one for the west, one for the south, one for the north. Um, there's different uh, kind of uh, details about what they represent, which mansions, what corresponding season, which corresponding element. And yeah, they're different uh, dragons, kind of dragon creatures. One looks kind of like a griffin or something. Um, so yeah, next time you're in Chinatown, walk around and look for the four symbols that guard the world. And hmm, we're running out of time. I don't know which uh, what I could end with here. Got to knock it out of the park here, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah park. give them a big finish. Uh, well, I guess you know what's okay. So something I want to do, and I've been trying to look into because I think it is very esoteric. Um, and it's very Chicago, even though it's, it's, it's controversial, is uh, Chicago gang symbols and Chicago gang signs. Okay. Um, and I grew up in a very heavily gang neighborhood over in Chicago and Damon back in the day, which it's not that way anymore. But um, And I've always noticed that Chicago, outside of other cities, it's a very gothic style of gang names mm -hmm. and symbols. The Disciples, the Kings, uh, the Vice Lords, the Gay Lords. And all of them have these very intricate symbols that have hidden meanings within them. There's pyramids with a crescent moon. Uh, the side of the pyramid has different bricks. Each brick has a different uh, meaning. You know, the crown, with five points. And I'm trying to like, and I've been digging, digging, and you know, because it's something too. Like, I don't want to <laughs> speak out of turn. Without showing up on any uh, government list, exactly right. Yeah. Well, and also, I don't want to speak out of turn. Yeah, you know, too. offend anybody. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's <laughs> misrepresenting. My, right, get a hit put out on me. But no, uh, so I was always wondering why are it, why are they use such occult symbols and different from any other? Really, there's no other cities that had it. And Chicago gangs used to wear sweaters with the crests on the sweaters. Okay. And they, back in the day, and they had all kind of uh, different things where they would wear it over their shirt, wear it over their arm if they were walking through a rival's turf to show that they didn't want trouble. Uh, they would wear different inverted colors, kind of like how home home and away games. Yeah, you know, they'll wear the different colors. They <laughs> yeah. did the same thing: okay. one for battle, one for just partying. But they started from social athletic clubs. So much like how the Medina Athletic Club and these, so I'm, I'm thinking that they were imitating these athletic clubs of the time, which were influenced by the kind of European crests, like these medieval crests. Okay. So that's that's just me putting it together, right? Yeah. So that's something I have to look deep into. I've been trying to find if anyone's actually done the study of that. Um, so if anybody out there knows, get in contact with me, because that could be a whole other episode. Because there's it's it's kind of it's interesting when you know. Um, when you look at this compared, especially to other cities that just don't have that intricate kind of uh, connection with each other. And also I found out that Chicago has the, the most gang members out of any uh, city in the country. 
All right. Have you been watching Fox News lately? What's going on here? No, no. This is this is real. <laughs> I mean, I grew up around it. I've seen it. Yeah. So, all right. That's it for Esoteric Chicago and Think Theory Radio. We'll hopefully do it again next year. And next week, for sure, 6 to 7 p.m. right here on WCPT 820, Think Theory Radio.